0: We can turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and um, we'll read the, the whole of the chapter. Acts chapter 16, and we'll read from the beginning of the chapter. Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and took him and circumcised him because because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, he immediately... Sorry, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go out and on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samarit, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptised in her household as well, she urged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received his order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And he was baptised at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison and they now, and do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologised to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and and then departed. Amen. And we pray that God will bless this reading of his word to us. We'll again come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that your word is to us. And as we prayed already, Heavenly Father, that we recognise that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that you have given us the word of God to guide us and direct us on how we may indeed glorify you and enjoy you forever. As we reflected with the children, Heavenly Father, how even the psalmist cried out that you would teach us your ways that you would help us to walk in your paths. That as we come and as we read your word and as we have read your word and as we Heavenly Father seek to break it down that we would recognise that your word speaks to each and every one of us. That Heavenly Father that as your word has been broken down in times past as we reflect back on how many times we may have heard this passage read to to us that we would not Heavenly Father switch off but having been called to be here that we would recognise that we, we are not here by chance that Heavenly Father that you are in control of all things and even setting it upon our heart to get up this morning and come to church that you have a purpose for each and every one of us to be within this building at this time Heavenly Father, we pray that our hearts would indeed be ready to receive your word, that our ears would be open, and that our minds would indeed be stilled before you. And Heavenly Father, that we would focus on what your word is to us, and that you would speak clearly, Heavenly Father, to each one of us, the preacher and hearer alike, that our lives would indeed be changed for you, That Heavenly Father, that we would leave this place recognizing that we have heard your word and that we have been here and glorified your name. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Before we turn back to study God's word, let us sing in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and at verse 33 Teach me, O Lord, the perfect way of thy precepts divine. And to observe it to the end I shall my heart incline. Give understanding unto me, so keep thy law shall I. Yea, even with my whole heart shall I observe it carefully. And we'll sing down to the, mark, the end of the verse Mark 40. Turn, thou away my feared reproach, for good thy judgments be. O for thy precepts I have longed, in thy truth quicken me. Amen.
1: Teach me, oh.
0: chapter 16, and maybe follow through if you have your Bible with you, and um, we'll see what this passage has to say to us this morning. As many of you are probably aware, the Free Church adopted a vision for the church back in uh, the assembly in 2021, Um, a healthy gospel church for every community in Scotland, I know that Mr MacLeod has written a number of articles for the record on this very subject and may well have preached a number of different services on what it is to be a healthy gospel church within the community here in Shawbust and across um, Scotland and further afield. If it is the case that you've heard a lot about the Healthy Gospel Church, I would ask that you bear with us as we see what God has to teach us from Acts chapter 16 about being a healthy gospel church. You may already be aware that there are some underpinning statements within the church vision for a healthy gospel church, namely that healthy gospel churches are committed to the worship of God and obedience to the Bible. They promote discipleship and are characterised by loving relationships and that they're intentional about sharing the gospel message locally and throughout the world. But ultimately at the very centre of everything they they do Jesus Christ and Christ crucified is at the very centre of a healthy gospel church. Some of you might be asking, why does the church need a vision? We have the Bible. What is it we need a vision for? The Bible teaches us, as many of you remember, that in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or as it is within the ESV, where there is no prophetic vision the people cast off restraint I'm not for one minute saying that the people in Shobost have cast off restraint and they're doing their own thing because they have no vision but that's what the Bible teaches us if we don't have a vision as to where we're going and what our purpose is in God's work we sometimes go off on the wrong track and do our own thing we read in the passage that we read, chapter verse six, Paul, Silas, and Timothy set out on a missionary journey. It doesn't tell us what planning they did and going off on this missionary journey. But what we do see is that very quickly, the doors didn't open for them to travel where they wanted to go. They were blocked in every direction. Verses 6-8 And as they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. But then things changed for them in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, A man of Macedonia standing there urging him and saying come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All of a sudden the missionary journey had a direction. They had a vision as to where they were going to go and what they were going to do when they got there. And previously, where doors had been closed for them to be able to go into different areas within Asia, all of a sudden, the following day, they set sail for Troas, and they made directly for Samarath, and then on to Napolis. And from there to Philippi, which we read is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, in a colony of Rome. And they remained in the city there for some days once they had a vision, without hesitation, they set sail. And it would appear, from what we read here, that their travel to Macedonia was unhindered, was unhindered and they got there fairly quick. A question to you this morning, as we start and as we look at God's word: What is your vision for the church here in Shobost? Within the community here in Shobost, what is your vision? For those that don't come to church, for the community around about you, how can the church be that healthy gospel church within this community where God has placed each and every one of you? We read that what underpins a healthy gospel church is that it's committed to the worship of God. When Paul and his missionary team arrived in Philippi, We read that Macedonia was one of the foremost cities, or Philippi, sorry, was one of the most foremost cities in Macedonia. It's obviously quite a wealthy place. It's a place of fair size. It had a prison within its bounds. But while it was seen to be thriving in many ways, what we do find is that there's no synagogue within Philippi. In those days we read that for there to be in a synagogue within Philippi, there, need to be, there needed to be 10 men that were worshiping for the synagogue to be formed. can maybe stop and reflect how many of the prayer meetings across the island of 10 men that can be called upon to pray within our prayer meetings. Are we committed? the worship of God. You may well be here and you gather on a Sunday, but I would ask the question, are there the same number gathered for your prayer meeting midweek? You've got two opportunities this week, from what I understand, to come with the National Day of Prayer meeting on Wednesday and then again on Thursday. Are your hearts set for praying for the community round about you here in Shawbust and further afield. Paul and Silas arrived in Philippi and they sought out a place of prayer because they wanted to worship, worship God and to teach those that were gathered. And in amongst those that were gathered, we hear and we read of Lydia, whose heart was opened. It's great to see people coming church. It's a real blessing and encouragement to see people coming. But are your hearts open to receive God's word? Paul and Silas and Timothy were at the place of prayer and they saw that conversion of Lydia. But very quickly what we then read is that things take a turn for the worst for them. They've been called, the vision was that there was a man calling them to come and help them. So we read of Lydia's conversion and we read that the next encounter they had was with another woman. A woman with an evil spirit. Paul challenged the spirit and the spirit came out of the woman and immediately, instead of been rejoicing, there was an uprising within the community and Paul and Silas End up in prison, locked in the very centre with their feet and their hands in the stocks. What do we learn about Paul and Silas? Did they bemoan their situation? Did they complain about what had happened to them? That's not what we read. What we read about is two men who were committed, even in the darkest of times. To worship God. We read of them singing hymns and praying. They weren't just singing to one another, they were singing in such a way that everybody in the prison could hear them. It's not clear what they prayed for. Did they pray for themselves to be released? Did they pray that God would continue to move amongst the people in Philippi? Were they praying for Lydia, who had already been converted? we don't read of what they prayed for but we do know as that God answered their prayers in a way that they maybe never even imagined there was an earthquake within the prison and we read of the familiar story of the conversion of the Philippian jailer how often in our own lives and maybe even now When things are against us, do we grumble? Do we question why things are happening? Do our heads go down? And the last thing that we can think about is actually worshipping God. The example that we're given here from Paul and Silas is that when they went to a new place, they sought God to be able to worship God. And having worshipped God, And having been blessed and seen conversion within that community and even when things then went against them in a foreign land they still sought to worship God. It certainly challenges me about how often when things go against me how easy it would be not to go to the prayer meeting, how easy it would be to stay at home and bemoan my own troubles but if we want to be healthy we want to be healthy as a congregation healthy as individuals we have to be committed to worshipping God. And when the place of God is open and the lights are on in the building let us come together and know what it is to worship God and be blessed in worshipping God together. A healthy gospel church is a church that is committed to to worshiping God. Are each and every one of you here committed each and every day, every Sunday of the year to come together, every Wednesday or Thursday when the prayer meeting is on, to come together and worship God and know what God is saying to you. I spoke to the young ones about the importance of God's word being a map for us in our lives. Are we obedient to what it says in the Bible? A healthy gospel church, the markers of it are that it's obedient to the Bible. Just very briefly, let's look again at verse 4. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. We spoke to the young folks about the importance of coming to Sunday school, of reading God's word, to be taught what God's word has to say to us. Each of the psalms that we've sung guide us and point us to God and asking God to teach us how we can walk in his paths. When Paul and Silas and Timothy went to meet with the people in the church, they didn't just teach them new ideas that they had come up with. They taught them what the scriptures taught about Jesus and what they had learned from the apostles who had walked with Jesus. They were obedient to the word Probably one of the greatest commissions that was given to an individual in the Bible is a commission that was given to Joshua. And it's probably one that we quote part of when we say, you know, God will never leave us nor forsake us. But what was the full commission that was given to Joshua? And we can read it in Joshua 1 and verse 5, and I'll read it for you, so if you haven't returned to it. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As God commanded Joshua to be faithful to the word of God, so Paul passed on what the elders and apostles had decreed. At that time they wouldn't have had the New Testament the way that we've got it. But they passed on the first hand message that they received from the apostles and what they would have had within the books of the law and the Old Testament. Are we obedient to the Bible? Are we guided by it in everything that we do? Healthy Gospel churches promote discipleship. We read there in verse 4 and 5 how Paul taught the people and how they were encouraged. It wasn't something that was done. We don't, don't read of them seeing a conversion of Lydia And then running on to the next town. They spent time with them. It was a process that took time. And we see that in verse 5 Paul and the team were there with them for a period of time. As they were able to say and teach us. That they saw their numbers grow. And they saw them as new converts grow in their faith. And their numbers increase daily. We see again in verse 18 that after the conversion of Lydia Paul went to the place of prayer for many days they wanted to see these new converts grow in their faith be strengthened in their faith are we within the church good at discipling new converts or do we expect people to find their way on their own Paul and Silas We certainly saw the importance of being with new converts and teaching them. Sometimes there can be a danger that we expect so much of people, well, they come to church to hear the word preached. They should know the way that they're supposed to go. And then when somebody falls, we wonder why. Why didn't they learn a lesson? What we have to recognise is there are some people that come to faith on the first time they hear the word preached. We have here the Philippian jailer. Saw a miraculous earthquake. Thought he was going to die. Was ready to fall upon his sword because of what had happened. And his first words to Paul and Silas were, what must I do to be saved? Now there is the question that had he not been sleeping during the night confident in his own ability having put them in the stocks that he might have heard the hymns that they were singing the prayers that were being put up might have encouraged them and pointed him in the direction that he should have gone but nevertheless he asked the question what must I do to be saved and he was given the answer but again we don't read of Paul and Silas running off and leaving him to find his own way they were discipled. It was time spent with them encouraging the church. Paul had a pattern of teaching God's word, seeing conversions, and then spending time with the people that he was with. And then he would move on, but he didn't just forget about them. We are blessed within God's word to have the epistles that Paul wrote. When he was away from the people and he heard something was happening he wrote to them to correct them. He wrote to encourage them and that's an encouragement for each one of us. Are we learning from the pattern that Paul set us about how we can be a discipling church and discipling within our communities? Again just briefly time is going ahead of us. Healthy Gospel Churches are characterised by loving relationships. What does the passage teach us about loving relationships? There's two examples that we can see here. Lydia, after she had been baptised in verse 15, her and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to stay at my house, and she prevailed upon us. And then again in verse 33 and 34 after the Philippian jailer was converted he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once he and his family then he brought them up into the house and set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What do these two short sections teach us? Lydia saw a need that Paul and Silas had they had come to Philippi they had nowhere to stay and she provided somewhere to stay for them the Philippian jailer took them from the prison after they had been beaten with the rods before they ended up there and he tended their wounds each of them saw a need that was presented to them and they opened their homes to help meet that need How are we, as individuals, as a congregation, looking around our community and seeing the need within our community and being able to reach out and support? Are we modelling what Lydia and the Philippian jailer teach us here? And finally, a healthy gospel church is intentional about sharing the gospel message locally and throughout the world. If I was to ask each one of you at the door going out this morning, how many people have you witnessed to this past week, this past month, this past year? How intentional are we, each one of us, about sharing God's word with our neighbour? Do we have a burden for those that are lost? Do we wonder why people aren't coming to church? And the question might be, have we ever actually asked them to come? We can pray for people to come, and it is right in each and every step of being a healthy gospel church that we have to pray and ask God for help. But do we ever stop to think that God might want to use one of us to actually speak to somebody? and ask them to come to church our communities are changing beyond what we probably recognise them to be even 10, 15, 20 years ago when people in the past may have come to church and the building here maybe testifies to the number of people that did come to church in the past people that are moving into communities depending on where they come from depending on what their upbringing is may never have been to church before Are we actually recognising the need that they have and asking them to come in and hear God's word, a message of salvation that's available to us? One commentator writing in this passage writes, I wonder if you've thought of your church's missionary effort or your witnessing to a neighbour in those terms. You say, it's difficult to witness today because so many people in our day don't want the gospel. That is true, they don't they very seldom do. Most people today are self-satisfied. They do not want anything that might upset their lifestyle. But if that is the case, why not refocus your witnessing for a time, at least, on those who are hurting and do have needs. In the past, the gospel has spread best among the masses of humankind who have had crying social, intellectual, medical and other needs. They have been open to the gospel because they needed help. Christians helped them and brought the gospel to them. Maybe one reason why the Protestant Church in this country in particular are not prospering is that they are going to those who are prospering when they ought to go to those who have known needs. What need do we see around about us? What needs do we know that people have? How can we reach out and meet them and reach out at the same time to these people? Sometimes it's not what we say that makes an impact on people's lives. It's what we do for them. The little things, things that sometimes go unnoticed. But we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it to reach out and share leave a contact for God. How intentional are you about sharing your faith today? Just in closing, you may be sitting here this morning. Thinking, that's all very well. This message doesn't really mean very much to me. I'm not a Christian, I'm just here. So it doesn't really apply to me. Just before we finish, we can't ignore the fact that we brushed over the stories of three different people that Paul came into contact with. Lydia, the demon-possessed woman and the jailer. If you're not a Christian this morning my question to you would be which one of these three are you most like? Lydia attended the place of prayer don't really know why she attended. We don't really find out too much about her. Was it out of a sense of duty that she came? Or did she have an inquiring mind? Or was it that that's where she was able to make acquaintances to further her business? the one thing that we are told that Lydia was that she was a successful businesswoman selling purple cloth. I don't know the community of Shobost. I don't know why any one of you Are here this morning. But the important thing is. That you are here. And God has laid it upon your heart. To be here. And the prayer would be. That your heart would be opened. And that you would hear. God speaking to you. And that you would indeed call upon him. While he is near to you. Or are you. Like the demon possessed woman. Who. Knew why Paul and Silas were there. She was prepared to rail against them. Almost ridicule them. But she was stopped in her tracks. And the spirit was taken from her. She was prepared to follow Paul and Silas each and every day. And she wanted to rail against them. Almost fighting what was within her. Don't keep fighting. God is speaking to you and telling you that he's there for you. Don't keep fighting. The Bible tells us elsewhere that my spirit will not always abide in man forever. God is calling you. Answer him. Or are you like the Philippian jailer? Who being confident in his own ability. Put his feet in the stalk, the, he'd put Paul and Silas' feet in the stocks. He had done what he'd been asked to do. And being confident in his own ability, went off to sleep. But then there was an earthquake. His whole life was shaken to the point that he cont- contemplated taking his own life. In his panic, he called out, What must I do to be saved? As I said earlier on, had he stayed awake, he might have heard the message that Paul and Silas were singing. Our prayer is that you're not sleeping here this morning. You're not thinking that I'm okay, I'm confident in my own ability. Because nobody wants to have the foundations of their life shaken. Nobody wants to be thinking that they've got no hope. We all have a hope that's available to us in Christ. And my prayer is that as you sit and as you listen, that you'll commit your lives to God. And having committed your life to God, that you will grow, you will grow into healthy Christians and that you will be a healthy gospel church within the community here in Shawlust that God has called you to. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for what you, your word teaches us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we leave this building today, that each one of us, before we even go over the threshold of the door, would Heavenly Father seriously consider where our walk is with you. That Heavenly Father, that we would not fight against you, but that we would be open and receptive to your word. As we have prayed and said already this morning, you have taken us here for a purpose. That what purpose is to worship you. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that each one of us would know what it is to worship you as God and as Father. As Lord and as King. That we can indeed say that you are our good shepherd. And that we will follow you. That we hear your voice. And that we would answer the call that you have upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing in conclusion for our service this morning in the words of Psalm 51 All mine iniquities bought out, thy face hide from my sin Create a clean heart, Lord renew a right spirit me within Cast me not from thy sight, nor take thy Holy Spirit away Restore me thy salvation's joy, with thy free spirit me stay and down to the end of the verse Mark 15. My closed lips, O Lord, by thee, let them be opened. Then shall thy praises by my mouth abroad be published. Verses 9 to 15 of Psalm 51. Norman. No! to present you before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages now and evermore.